Welcome back to Let Me Be Brief. I am your co-host, Andy Rieger of Jay Rieger & Co., joined, as always, by my esteemed colleague, Matt Basinger of SwellSpark. We are bringing you the show from Emprise Bank, member FDIC. Emprise Bank is always there to give you free money, as free they say. Free money. <laughs> and today we're joined by Matt Condon of Bardavon Health Innovations. Matt, for those of you that don't know, is a big entrepreneur in Kansas City, had his hands in a lot of different buckets, so today's going to be really interesting. Matt, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So uh, first, and I know it's a dumb question, but what on earth does Bardavon <laughs> do? It's, a, it's an absolutely fair question. So Bardavon is a really unique next-generation healthcare company. We um, distribute a cloud-based uh, documentation system to providers now in all 50 states. So we partner with providers, and we partner predominantly with employers, Amazon, Walmart, Lowe's. And we um, optimize their work comp care and make sure that providers are doing the right thing and getting the outcomes that um, align with what they want, which is great care, great outcomes. So give us a, a legitimate example as yep. to Bardavon <clears throat> in practice. Yeah, so today there'll be, um, um, you know, uh, Walmart will manifest an injury in New York City. Um, Walmart will use us to place that. They uh, manifest it. That they manifest it. a good word, right? Yeah. yeah. It, they'll, they'll use us to place that patient at a provider that documents on Bardavon, Bardavon's system. And we'll learn from that experience and we'll apply it to an injury that happens in uh, Des Moines, Iowa today for Walmart. And we'll take that, those two learnings and apply it to uh, an injury that happens in L.A. this evening. And so it's a beautiful um, constant feedback loop of learning. And um, in so doing, we also disintermediate all the, the middle players that sometimes take money from the employer before it gets to the provider and create a, a tighter line there. So good providers get patients and get paid more for getting good outcomes with the patients um, that come from the employers that, that pay for their health care. And, and good outcomes in this case, you're talking about getting employees healthy, uh, getting yeah. them taken care of, and then getting them hopefully back to work. Is that? Yeah, it's, it, it's so I love the space, but I'll try to, it, what's really cool about the workers' compensation space is you're talking predominantly blue-collar um, workers, right, that, mm -hmm. that are doing labor jobs. Sure. But um, we're able to apply the science of elite athletics, um, because they're hurting their knees and they're hurting their shoulders mm -hmm. and they're hurting their backs. So the things that are happening for the Lakers and the, and the Chiefs and all the learning that, that happen in that space, we're able to apply at scale to the men and women that work at Walmart or fight our fires or police our streets um, and, and in, get injured in that manner. And so I love it. I, I love – I mean I love the, the ability to do what we do and kind of the virtuous impact that it can have on – a bunch of people that otherwise might not get access to the best healthcare. Hmm. So, what's the revenue model for Bardavon? Yeah, so um, it's we get paid from the employers. So, Amazon and Walmart pay us based uh, on the number of employees on the system per, or? per, per visit. So, oh. not not dissimilar. In some ways, we kind of fit the existing model, um, but we take away all the other people. So, we we stand in the middle and we create a tighter line between Walmart and and the provider that they choose for each visit. Um, and and then um, you know we're we're a margin inside of that. So they so Bardavon exists without being paid more or less a retainer. Instead, right. Bardavon is the preferred workers' comp yeah. curator more or less for Walmart. And then every time an injury happens to Walmart, you get an initiation payment more or less. Yeah, we we did, we built and distributed the EMR system for free to the provider, no charge to them. And EMR stands for um, electronic medical record system. So awesome. the documentation. Yep. Sure. So we we always talk about it us being the third stool. Uh, or third leg of the stool, the provider, the patient, and our documentation system are sure. in the room with the patient each instance of care. And so we distribute that to free for free to the provider. Um, they have to document on it to get the referral yeah. that we manage from the employer. And so from that standpoint, then 
you are uh, you talk about the providers of mm -hmm. care. So what is the engagement that Bardavon has with those individuals? Is there a fee basis back and forth? Yeah. Is it a, you have to go through an interview process in order to be on the quote platform? Yeah. How does that look? Yeah, that, that's, that, that's the beauty of the AI that you can run on the platform is that it gets better every day. Volume makes us smarter and new things are able to be applied in near real time. And so, um, yeah, so... Uh, the model as it looks, you know, for, for purposes of that is that, um, you know, again, we don't charge the providers anything for the for the system, mm -hmm. um, but we learn all the time. And, and so we're able to go in and today in Padu Paducah, Kentucky, deploy it. And what we tell employers is your healthcare system isn't going to get better today, mm -hmm. but we're going to learn. Sure. And tomorrow we'll start to apply that learnings and be able to. The other thing that's important about that space is the patient doesn't pay anything for it. It's all paid for by the employer, but the employer gets to direct that care. So we have rational governance. And if providers are doing the wrong thing, not giving good outcomes, not giving good care, we move the patient to somebody who will. And in that way, it's kind of a and move beautiful future framework. patients. That's right, and future yep. patients, yeah, based off that learning. And so you say Walmart and Amazon and obviously some pretty dang big companies yeah. with hundreds of thousands of employees. Um, what are some of the other – like are you working with the Riegers of the world and with the Swell Sparks of the world that have a couple hundred employees or are you really focusing on really, really big clients? Yeah, so um, it's the right question. In order to do what we, what we did, which honestly has never been done before in healthcare, we had to take a really odd path. And mm -hmm. so we didn't start at the local level, the small level, like every other healthcare technology services company. We invested a lot of money, a lot of effort, and then built a model that we took to Walmart. And we got – because what we couldn't do is there's this massive intermediary architecture in healthcare that frustrates the provider and frustrates the payer. And we couldn't be who we are and play that game. And so we had to go to very sophisticated, you know, high-profile employers, sell the value prop, get them to buy in. They started with one state, then they went to two. Now they're in all 50. And now we're coming down market and therefore impacting um, a much broader – we will be working with you guys. We sure. haven't tried to yet because we got to work through your – you're usually not self-insured, so you have an insurance company and mm -hmm. a TPA and all these other things. We had to prove who we are first and, and then come down market and get to stay who we are as we do that. Yeah. What has it been like doing that here in Kansas City? I think oftentimes yeah. we think about you know healthcare companies, tech companies. Maybe the Midwest doesn't seem like the most natural – place to start that, especially if you're talking about big money to get going. But yeah. uh, talk about doing that through Kansas City as, as home base. I, I I think, you know, Kansas City changed. So I, my first company started in 2003, exited in 2013. Um, the workforce has always been here. We've always had brilliant people. Um, the ability to attract capital wasn't there before, but is coming on. And yeah. I think, you know, there's some people I saw, Casey Rise has been on. I think what Darcy has done in this community is unbelievable. Um, We've raised a lot of money here, for especially for a Midwest Kansas City company. I think we've been able to do so, though, in part because the environment's changed and in part because we've been able to attract talent. Mm -hmm. um, and in some ways, COVID's been great for us for that because we don't, you know, we can be able to work with people in Palo Alto now and New York City and other places and be part sure. of our team and do it remotely. But Kansas City's on the move. It's created an environment where people are coming into. We're able to attract talent here. And we've always had talent that knew how to work. Mm -hmm. And the early stages of every startup are such a grind. And to be able to associate with talent that knows how to work, they aren't just brilliant, but they really know how to grind, is uniquely Midwest, I think, and, in, and a real advantage for Kansas City. So you can't raise the type of money you're talking about without having a track record. Yeah. So let's sort of talk about the company that you just mentioned that you sold, yep. Arc Physical Therapy. 
walk us through the starting foundation of that yeah. and growing it up until the point of exit. Same model. Um, I believe that workers' compensation was the, the right place to start real change in healthcare. Um, I believe that physical therapists spend an inordinate amount of time with the patient. And if we're talking about um, collecting data, a provider that spends 30 hours with a patient is really sexy um, to, to partner with to get that. Um, but I didn't know anything about physical therapy, really. And so I had to start a clinic and learn. So I started a little clinic um, in 2003. I hired two people, one out of a Applebee's and one out of a hotel because we had no physical facility. And we went to market with a weird idea that we would be compelling to employers by giving them the best care and, and creating a documentation system that showed them the data. It grew fast. Um, we didn't have to raise much money for that. We raised just a very little bit at the beginning. Um, it grew really fast. I realized, though, along the way that the traditional healthcare marketplace is kind of broken in that it's not other clinics that are our competitors. It's a big system that will anonymize and commoditize providers. Mm. And so that was an epiphany that kind of happened. Um, so I decided I didn't want to be a clinic operation anymore. I wanted to create technology and services that partnered with all clinicians all across the country. And sure. so, yeah, and then the exit, right? We were able to exit a very, very small upfront investment for $40 million. And that makes you popular in Kansas City for a while. <laughs> so, um, But for me, this has been my lifelong mission and vision and dream. And so I just took Saturday and Sunday off and then started another company and invested all my money into that and are running it. So the, the, the idea of starting this new entity, Bardavon, and comparing it to Arc Health, you were the middleman versus you were the actual care provider. Will you use Arc as oh, yeah. one of the, are they one of the quote unquote referrals that you yeah. go through? ARC is one of the 15,000 providers we now have in oh, all 50 states. No, Arc is fine. No, that was, um, that, that's, uh, they're one of, but now they're, but so are other Kansas City providers in our network. And so are other providers in Chicago and New York City, they're all part of this kind of, um, you know, army of, of providers that want to disrupt what has been and create it more like what it ought to be. There's a lot of people who want to keep things as they have been, right? Yeah. And so um, <laughs> you mentioned earlier just the the complexities of starting in this space and having to go kind of yeah. from a top-down approach. But, you know, in the last six, six years, right, that you've been kind of yeah. doing this, um, what have been some of the other either challenges or things that have allowed you to uh, move or grow or, or just things that you things that you maybe weren't anticipating? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, if you look at the provider segment specifically, mm. literally, not to be hyperbolic, every provider knows the system is broken. <laughs> they do. I mean, you talk to providers, they're, they're frustrated, but there's so much bureaucracy and administrative over, you know, overload on them right now. In order to get them to change, they have to do something different, and that's really difficult in a world where mm -hmm. they, you know, they, you know, productivity and seeing a volume of patients is such a critical piece of their, you know, paycheck. And so, um, we were immediately compelling to employers that were looking for something different. Mm -hmm. We were immediately compelling to providers that also wanted something different, but very difficult for providers to actually change their workflows and do something different mm -hmm. to get to a different kind of platform. And so. Um, and, and honestly, then we created a system that was built largely off of ARC. We tried to distribute it to the rest of the country. It was clunky. We weren't very, you know, we weren't necessarily great partners to them either at first. And so we had to improve on that side and then, um, grow, you know, grow in part by just putting yourself in the environment, getting your nose bloodied a lot, learning, listening, changing, growing, and getting better every day. And so 
it was, it, you know, I always think you look at early stage companies, their performance, and they always look awesome. But then you get into the game, and it's tough. And, yeah. And it was just as tough in this run as it was the first one for me. It was it was a grind for a while. Uh, so you primarily based the original iteration of Bardavon on that self-insured, yeah, uh, yes. self-insured providers. So how does that model transform when you start going – yeah, down the chain and getting into companies that just have standard insurance. Yeah, so the, the financial valuation model is the same. You know, big employers just happen to be dollar one exposed for the first hundred thousand dollars of every claim, right? Um, but you're talking about their money that will go to their chosen providers to treat their employees, and at its most simplistic sense, that's the same thing that you guys deal with with your your environment. Um, and so, again, we proved it out of that model, but now as we go down, are the traditional intermediaries are, are having to evolve and, and accept disintermediation and less dollars being shuffled around because it's not just Walmart that's sophisticated now, it's you guys. You guys are now understanding how broken the system is mm-hmm. and are demanding more from your partners. And so part of what's, I think, feeding so much of our growth is literally the inevitability of the common sense approach to this. I mean, yeah. this is just, this makes sense to everybody. Sure. But does it ever become something that you actually pitch the insurance providers? We are right now. And so we are partnering with insurance providers right now, but they wouldn't let us in the door to start with because it was different. It, it would require, require workflow disruption for them. We had to prove it mm-hmm. to the most sophisticated blue chip employers in the country first yeah. and then come downstream. We couldn't go upstream. So as far as what you guys are doing here in Kansas City, I mean, are your are your staff is everyone in Kansas City based? Are you guys working with folks across the country? What does growth yeah. look like for you, kind of from a from a staffing and internal growth standpoint? Not so much what you're doing outside and, yeah. and the contracts you're bringing in. Yeah. So uh, m- managing a cloud based EMR that's distributed per referral around the country has never been done before in healthcare, and so sixty on our tech or on our team are on the tech stack, hmm. and so we've had to recruit some of the best and brightest minds um, in developing. You haven't called me yet. For that. <laughs> hey, come on over, brother. We're good. Um, so that's been critical. And we did all of that. I mean, it was expensive to start with because we had to build all that product out before we could sell it. And honestly, we didn't even know. We didn't even know what to sell it for. I mean, you know, like yeah. and, and how we would sell it and, and how it would be priced. And so we built all that out. Um, we today, again, have 225 associates. We have a sales team that have always been all over the country. But the vast majority, I think 195 of them or maybe 200 are Kansas City-based. Mm. And and I would say, throwing a dart, maybe 25 or 30 have moved here for wow. us. Um, so, you know, we're t- taking as much great Kansas City talent as possible, but we're yeah. also looking for we, – we think we've built a model, an admission, and a vision now that can attract um, people from anywhere to yeah. move here and be part of it now. That's awesome. Well, we could keep talking about this for a long time. Yeah, I'll do it. Another, <laughs> another day we can, but uh, you know, over this whiskey. is over, over oh, whiskey yeah. while Please. throwing axes. I'm a good yeah. Irish yep. Catholic. I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, completely unrelated, though, I always like to end with something just a little bit more informal. What's the coolest thing you've done? You can't talk about kids. You can't talk about, like, the normal things. Like, I want to I wanna hear about an experience that you've had that was just over the top. Okay. That wasn't what I was prepared for, but um, I just had a different conversation and it wasn't um, – we were talking about traveling. It made me think of it b- before this. Uh, two years ago, I took a um, – you know, went to Houston, had a bunch of meetings, dinner, then went to bed, got up the next morning, early flight to Boston, 
meetings, dinner, went to bed. I, I go into uh, the hotel that night, and I got a 5.30 a.m. flight the next morning, and I said to the hotel person, do you guys have any cars or anything that can take me to the airport tomorrow morning? Yes. Go to sleep for a few hours, go down. I come down. I got my headphones ready. I'm whining about my life. I'm feeling sorry for myself. I'm tired. And the driver is the most excited, engaged, and loud person I've ever seen in my entire <laughs> life, right? And so I get in the car, and I'm, and I'm thinking about putting on my headphones and being rude because I'm feeling sorry for myself. And I finally get around to asking this guy, you know, what's your name? And I will never forget it. He said, oh, Mr. Condon, my name is Tesfay Jafar. And I said, Tesfay, how did you get to the United States? And he said, oh, it's a great story, Mr. Condon. After the tragedy of 9-11, I came to your country to run the New York City Marathon, and I won it. And Mr. Giuliani gave me a green card. And I, at that point, spit my coffee out and put my headphones down, and I said, what? And I look up Tesfay Jafar and Tesfay Jafar ran the New York City Marathon right after 9-11 in two hours and seven minutes. The New York Times talks about Casual. the last 500 meters. He's waving and smiling to the crowd like he hadn't run anything. And I proceed to then have a 10-minute conversation with the most inspiring person I've ever been around in my entire life. And he talked about how much he loved this country and how, and he's driving around jerks like me that are whining about two early morning flights and this guy has persevered and done among the most amazing thing that, you know, that a person can accomplish. And so I carry that story with me because it always reminds me um, to try and stay humble, but yeah. also to try and be present because you never know. Like sure. a, a driver driving me at 440 in the morning to the Boston airport changed my life forever yeah. and, uh, and taught me to stop whining and to shut up and just do my thing, you know? That's so that's awesome. my best. That's yeah. my best experience. I love lately. it. Yeah. No, I, 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 ironically, my wife and I were in the uh, an Uber recently, and the Uber driver, as we were talking to him, uh, he was overhearing conversations that we were having, talking about tax credits and government, et cetera. And we come to find out that he was a retired politician and was part of the Missouri Senate for however many years, in the House for however many years, and he was retired and just driving Uber just yeah. to meet people and get to talk to people and enjoy it and. Yeah. You never know. Point. Yep. Yeah, we no got to appreciate people. He knew everybody we were talking about in our conversations. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. Well, Matt, Matt, thanks for your time. Look forward to seeing what you. you do here in Kansas City. And, uh, thanks, and, guys. Uh, thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. Thank you.